Good evening, Demon fans, and welcome back to the Demon Land podcast. My name is Andy, and we're only 17 days, 17 hours, 13 minutes, and 26 seconds away from the first bounce of 2019. Will this season end in the ultimate joy, or will it all end in those all-too-familiar tears? Tonight, I'm joined once again by um, Grapeviney. Good evening, Grapeviney. How are you? Standy, uh, at this uh, at this early stage of the season, uh, yeah, you're not uh, shook up by a, a loss early on uh, in the preseason. Well, first I see that we've lost our uh, we've lost our chat room for the moment, so <laughs> um, that's a little bit disorienting. Um, but uh, yeah, look, we were told that you know the our brand of footy would stand up to finals pressure, and we saw a bit of that last year. But what we weren't told was that. It doesn't stand up to JLT pressure, no, and uh, hopefully the club is uh, is investigating uh, the disgraceful loss on the weekend. Well, it's it uh, at the time I, I you know I was a, a little bit uh, upset. I'm I'm so used to winning. Forget the, what happened in the preliminary final, but uh, that winning culture started to come back, and um, you know, and I thought you know we're just going to win, 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 win. Um, are you getting over your MFCSS, are you? Because um, you're, quite, uh, you're I, quite a sufferer. I'm dyed in the wool, <laughs> MFCSS. But I'm, this year I'm quite bullish this year. But maybe it's just because I haven't, you know, the bubble hasn't burst yet. I haven't been uh, haven't yep. been dropped back to earth yet. Now, you mentioned a moment ago that our chat room isn't working. We did a, the, the forum had a software update the other day and it seems to have broken the the chat room. I don't know why. Um, so if you do want to um, communicate with us, there is a, a thread uh, dedicated to, to the podcast, uh, you know, to the announcement of there being a podcast. If you want to ask a question, make a comment, make it in that thread for the moment, and uh, we'll, we'll see how we go with that. Um, if you uh, want to join us tonight, um, we will be joined a bit later on by, um, by Super Mercado. He did forget that, we, well, it's my fault. I didn't actually confirm with him that we were good to go, but uh, that's all right. He said he may join us at nine o'clock in half an hour. Uh, if you would like to join our program tonight to discuss any of the topics that we talk about, you can give us a call 0390163666 or you can Skype us at Demonland31. Um, as I said, if you want to chat with us, go to the uh, thread on Demonland. You should be able to find it quite easily. Um, if you're listening to this uh, later on at your leisure via SoundCloud on Demonland.com or via iTunes or an Android podcasting app, be sure to subscribe to the show to receive updates uh, or else the cops that you can hear in the background will take you away. Um, don't forget to leave us a favourable review to help uh, more people find us. Uh, if you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Demonland31, Twitter at Demonland, Instagram at Demonland31, YouTube, you can search for Demonland Podcast and you can listen to the great interviews that we've conducted uh, with current and past players and coaches. Um, or if you just love talking about the Ds, join us on demonland.com and you can chat with other Demons fans all year round. Okay, um, with that out of the way, I guess, um, you know, we had our first of the uh, two JLT community games. I don't know what JLT means. Do you, do you, great Viney, do you know what? JLT no, worked out yet. I saw someone, uh, jalapeno, lettuce and tomato, <laughs> that, I believe. That, that was a whispering Jack. He loves, uh, 
he no, that was whispering, was it? Right. I, I think he, I'm sure he stole it from somewhere else at some point, <laughs> but uh, he'll claim that. Now, look, that we played in on Sunday in sweltering conditions, and it's it's fair to say that we went in with a very inexperienced lineup. Um, I counted twelve of our best twenty-two to twenty-five were missing, uh, including the entire leadership group: uh, Gorn, Jones, Viney, Jetta. Leadership all out: Vandenberg, Lewis, Hibbard, Melksham, Lever, May, Hannon, and you can even include uh, Cade Kolodajnic. Um, still can't, can't get that name right. Yep. Um, you know, we took on the Tigers. Uh, they fielded a strong lineup. You know, Martin, Cotcham, Rewalt, Rance, as well as many others of their 2017 Premiership team were in there. Uh, they were missing, I think, Caddy, Castagna, Greg Townsend, and obviously new recruit uh, Tom Lynch. Um, tale of two teams, really. Um, it, was it unreasonable uh, to think that when we got 22, 28 points, I think we were up at one point uh, in the first I thought we were going to be an unstoppable force in uh, 2019. Uh, Great Viney, what happened after that? <laughs> uh, I don't know if we returned to the to the uh, bad old ways of the past um, where we're giving up leads. I don't think so. No. Um, you know, it's the first of the JLT games, so you don't, we don't know to what extent um, coaches are trialling different things or perhaps not showing their full hand um, at this stage. Obviously, we had quite a, a different um, team to the one that will take the field in round one. Um, Richmond were a lot closer to full strength, so I didn't read too much into it and actually thought for the most part we uh, acquitted ourselves uh, quite well um, uh, and including some of those names that probably won't uh, won't be in the round one team. So, so we... Uh, uh... During the game, I think I was guilty of panicking and thinking, like once they sort of sort of got on top of us, and they really did, I think the scoreboard flattered, uh, the scoreline flattered the actual contest in the end. They missed a lot of goals. They had a lot more shots on goals. If they'd been kicking straight, it would have been a bit more of a massacre. But, um, you know, I think I was panicking during the game about our depth, that I thought we had a depth problem because this was happening to us. But now that I've had a few days to sort of think about it, you know, you realise it is just a practice game, but just in in regards to those depth players, when you have depth players, they're there to fill sort of a hole at a particular time, sort of one at a time. But when you have a whole bucket full of holes and mm. having 12 players out, you can't expect all those hole fillers, those depth players to, to you know, be no. able to hold the water most in that you can carry two or three but once you start getting up to half a dozen or seven or eight, you're going to get exposed. Every club, um, even even those with the best lists, and um, I think it, it's acknowledged that we're in that category. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you're right. Um, uh, yeah. If, if if you've got um, uh, if half your side is made up of, of those players, then you're going to struggle. So I don't think it is a sign. Uh, some people are saying, "Well, our depth isn't." Well, it's it, it is. It's just you're not meant to have all those players holding the team, and then you know the the few top tier players that we did have in there then can't you know do everything. You know, carry the load. Now look at look at our midfield. We were winning. I mean, we have got a couple of real jets in that midfield. Um, uh, we're blessed to have. Um, Oliver, Brayshaw and Harms in there. They absolutely killed it because I'm pretty sure we smashed it in the clearances. So that's not that's definitely not a problem. Um, it was really good to see those guys continue their red-hot form from last year, all three of them. 
uh, and probably particularly so Harmsy, um, who was was probably the bolter out of the three of them last year. Yeah. Um, and I think supporters were looking for that um, that confirmation that you know he wasn't a one hit wonder. Um, and uh, that his game has sort of reached a certain level, and who knows, he might be able to even uh, take it up a level again this year. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I was just wrapped with the, the the game that the three of them had. Yep. Now, in terms of and particularly given the the ruck, you know, the service or the lack of service that they got. Yeah. It, look, obviously we're a different team with Gorney in there. Um, now just in terms of those guys as well, all of them had pretty much interrupted pre-seasons. Both, um, I mean, Oliver had shoulder surgery on both shoulders. Harms yeah. had on one of his shoulders. And I know that um, uh, Gus didn't have surgery during the off-season, but he had some back issues. So he had a bit of quite a, a chunk of that pre-season he was in the rehab group. So it's good yep. to see those guys be able to step in uh, with those interrupted pre-seasons and still t- without skipping a beat. Great to see. Someone made a point, I can't remember who it was or what thread it was in, it was a couple of weeks ago, that that um, we saw late last year uh, with the return of Vanders and Viney that um, when the club said that they were ready to play football, they meant it. Yep. Those guys returned to the team after long layoffs and absolutely were, you know, were ready to go from the get-go. They didn't require a game or two to build up. Um, and so I think there's good reason to have faith in, you know, uh, in the club's doctors and high-performance managers and whoever it is. Um, yeah, that they'll, you know, when the time's right then and they're ready to go, they are ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also when you talk about those two guys, in particular, Viney and... Um... And Vandenberg, uh, absolute bulls. Um, can't wait for both of them to return. And we're certainly a different team when you when you start including those guys and some of the others that I mentioned a bit earlier. Um, so it's a bit hard to take a lot out of the game that we played on the weekend. Um, but, the, you know, how do you think some of the, the rookies and the... Um, and the, the depth players performed... Um, Maybe we'll start with the the cult figure of um, of the team, the new cult figure, um, Braden Pruce. Um, after the, uh, did you were you at the um, at the Collingwood practice match a no, couple of weeks ago? No, no, I didn't see it. So oh, I actually see didn't him. see any of the footage from there. But I understand he played better in the Collingwood game than than he did on the weekend. Yeah, I, I was quite disappointed. I've been quite bullish on him, um, sort of not thinking that he's the second coming or anything or that he's going to be the difference between us winning a premiership or not. But I was quite bullish about him, us being able to play both him and uh, Gorney in the team. And I still think we should try that. I thought he was great with Gorney um, in that first game against Collingwood, albeit there was no Brody Grundy uh, playing. So they weren't against you know, the best, but yep. um, I think they sort of worked well. I would still like to see them play together um, and not have Bruce being the, the lone ruckman. Um, and look, we must say it was very hot, so we're not sure how he was affected by that heat uh, because he spent a lot of time on the bench, particularly in the second half, and I'm not sure what the plan was there. Mm, yep. I, we know that Declan Kelty played quite a lot in the ruck in the second half and I sort of we know... 
um, that that wasn't the original plan with Declan. He was going to play forward. He's been training with the forwards all, all summer. Um, so he was going to play more in forward and relieve in the ruck. But I guess the conditions on the day um, sort of called for, for a different tactic in regards to Proust. So, Look, Bruce didn't... He knows how to jump, Kilty. He does. He's he's going to more talk about him and also Harrison Petty, who I was impressed with. But, look, Bruce, it wasn't his best game. I I might excuse it because of the heat. And I'd love to see... uh, I mean, do you think this week he should play with... um, uh, with Gorney, and what what are your thoughts with Bruce going um, forward? How we yeah? It? Look, I, I haven't factored him in too much into my thinking this year. I know, I know a lot of people think that you know the 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 two big man combo is the way to go, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Gorn is so dominant um, and so on top of his game at the moment that. I'd be scared to tinker with things too much. You know, you've got uh, you've got the game's best ruckman in there. Um, yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it yeah, too I don't, much. I don't think anyone's suggesting a fifty-fifty share or, or, no, or like that. But I think I, I just I just wonder how many games he'll actually be selected for. I think they'll be. It'll depend very much on their opponents yeah. Yeah. Um, from week to week. And depending on how these new rules factor in, if there's any, yep. you know, if there's there is too. any yep. advantage, if there's very little advantage or whatever, then I'm, that'll. I'd like to see how it works. I'd like them to at least experiment. Um, I think where it does help is Max. Towards the end of the year, there was the question of, did you know, was it, did he have nothing left in the tank towards the end? Um, certainly, certainly in the first two finals, he was still playing some great footy. But does he need a bit of help? Does does it mean have if you've got Bruce and it means that either T Mac or Weed doesn't have to leave their forward position to go in the ruck for those five minutes or you know eight minutes during the quarter? Yeah, uh, there's the. I'd like to have him try. There's the argument that um, there might could be a need for him. Uh, I'd like to see it trialed, and I'm sure we will. And I'm sure he'll be in and out. Of Look, the team even if meeting. he doesn't play a single game this year or a single minute, we needed uh, we needed backup for Max. So, um, you know, in terms of an acquisition, he's always going to be an asset, um, even if he doesn't have to have to do a single thing. Yeah. And look, we didn't have, we don't have anyone else on the list uh, who is a ruck. We've got that young Austin Bradkey uh, on the yep. list, but he's still a long, long way away from being, you know, being even selected a Casey. I think. Um, I th- well, they've applied for permission to him yes, for, yes. for him to play uh, under 18s, I think, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Uh, yep. But then we unearthed someone who wasn't initially. I don't think, well, definitely. I don't know how much Declan Kelty played in the ruck but he showed that he can play in the ruck and it'd be interesting to see uh, if he gets, how he gets used. I'd like to see how he goes in a, in another position, uh, either in the forward or back line. Well, he's had experience forward back now in, yeah. and in the middle. So um, credit to yeah. the, um, you know, the FD for, for sort of moving him around a bit and trying him, uh, trying him out in different spots. Um and he's obviously retained his his uh, place on the list. So, but we didn't really get to see him this week in that, um, you know, in the no. forward or back position. So, I'd like it, it. One wonders whether there's a spot in this the team this week for a couple of those fringe players um, yep. to trial out, and we won't know until they pick the teams. But you'd think if Hivert's coming back, May they said May's going to play. Obviously, Lever's not ready yet. Um, you know. Uh, 
be interested in Jetta's back. So it'll be interesting to see who of those, uh, who of the guys who played this week and were fringe, um, a fringe for the yep. team, whether they get a run in this or whether we're going to try and go as full strength as possible. Um, were you impressed with Harrison Petty? I thought he took quite a few good, good, strong marks in defence. Yep. Uh, certainly played a lot better than he did in the one game that we have seen him play. Um, yeah, looking good on him because it was a horror game, that game against uh, St Kilda. And he, you know, kind of stuff that keeps you up at night. But um, uh, he's obviously put it behind him and moved on, and that's what good players do. So, um, uh, like Kelty, there's sort of there's just promise there. And particularly now, um, you know, it looks like Jake Lever's not going to be back not until well into the year. Um, perhaps we will see uh, Harrison Petty um, playing a third man up role in some some games. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. That lever was that news fresh today. That uh, yeah, that's it, what it, it was out? to me. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I and I don't know where I got this from. I was thinking round eight. Yeah, I think there's been and a I few don't... things. Uh, people a few months I don't ago know were thinking that's people just did he do it in round eight this seven. Uh, last year seven and people. Round seven, yeah. right? So they were just sort of taking a year. But... Yeah, but it wasn't there. There was the, there was those people who had heard him say that he wants to play wants round to be one, back for round, round one. one. But we thought, all oh, right, he's not going to be back for round one. And then there were a few people saying round three, round five, and now it's yeah. around eight, seven, round eight, and it's blown out to round ten or eleven, or maybe it's three to four months from now. Um, still a fair way away. So, uh, but. Once he's back, I'm sure he'll be uh, ready to, to go, and uh, that's a great addition to get back into our team. But that means there's a position up for grabs in the meantime, and guys like Petty, you know, hopefully will take that opportunity with uh, yeah. both hands. I just wonder, if you remember last year, it took quite a few weeks for Jake Lever yes. to settle into the back line. Yep. And remember, we were a bit, a bit all at sea in those first few weeks mm-hmm. as they got to know each other. And, and play with each other. And I wonder whether that's going to happen again this year with May and then whether things then get disorganised again when Lever returns yeah. um, and has like a second adjustment period. Um, so I just wonder about that disruption. Um, we've got a, to call, the back line. We've yep. got a call coming in. Usually I have that uh, channel down. But uh, good evening, uh, you are on the air. Hello? Hello? <laughs> we might, you know what that could have been? Um, uh, we often, on that number, get spam uh, calls, um, as most mobile phones and um, numbers uh, get. And so I'm just wondering <laughs> if we got uh, an Indian call centre that's just hung up on us. But uh, that could have been an entertaining call as well. And I think if... Uh, if we get that again, uh, we might uh, have a little chat with them, <laughs> see what they know <laughs> about. DZF has asked a good question in the thread. Yeah. Uh, what uh, What do people think of Joel Smith uh, playing forward in the first two practice games and has he shown enough? And I suppose there's a question mark generally about where he fits going forward. Uh, is it forward, back um, or a combination of both? I'm happy to try. And can you see him getting a game in the 22 or is he outside? Well, I'm happy for him um, to play forward. Um, he certainly take goes for those and jumps for those marks. He ha- he's not taking them, though, at the moment. Um, 
you know, he's flying for them. And I think he's got the ability. Um, I think there's room for him in the forward line. And I probably would like but to. Who's prefer... he going to keep out of Hannon? Uh, uh, well, Hannon's going to be out. Hannon's going to be out for a moment, for a while now, obviously, with yep. his knee. Um, but they're not. Him and Neil Bullen aren't the type, same type of player. And there's the question no, if we're going to have. You've pro... got McDonald and uh, Wiedemann. Yep. Uh, Melksham's in there. Melksham's definitely um, in there. But the Melksham still probably going to be in there a fair bit of the time. Yeah. Um, and you know, yeah. one of the smalls, whether it's Spargo or Garlett, who's also injured now. Um, yep. You got to have some smalls. He's not a small. Um, he's not a no, tall, tall. You know, but Nibbler he's a, and, he's on... and uh, Spargo are likely to start. Um, so yeah, who's he going to end up knocking out to get into that forward line? And to get in, he's got to put the runs on the board. So if he plays this week, he's got to got to be kicking goals. Um, to justify his spot there. I, I like him. Um, I think I've got a lot of time for him. I'd like to see him succeed. I think probably better forward than a back. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I, th- yeah. I think there is room for him, but he's got to he's got to earn it. Um, yeah. But then again, Nibbler, I wasn't impressed with Nibbler's game uh, this weekend. Um, you know, he wasn't doing the things that uh, he normally does. Yeah, the, my criticism of Nibbler is that he's not a good user of the ball um, and that if he was able to improve his disposal, he'd be so much more valuable um, to the team. So, yeah. Look, his defensive work is is almost enough to get him a game alone. But, um, yeah, if he could get more value out of his offensive work, um, then he'd be, you know... He'd be a much better player. I suppose that's a bit so that's a bit obvious, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> uh, well, uh, what are we seeing? Has asked a, a good question as well in the uh, well in the makeshift chat room that we've got going. Uh, does Lever play in uh, round seventeen and nineteen at Marvel Stadium? That's when we play the Bulldogs and St Kilda, um, respectively. Now, he did his injury at uh, Marvel Stadium against the Bulldogs. Do you not play a player out of ground that they did their knee, or is that just is that silly? Um, yeah, well... Uh, I mean, you could do those things if, anywhere. What if a it? player does his knee on the G <laughs> and <laughs> we then we make the grand final? What happens then? <laughs> we play so, most of our, a lot of our games at the G, so yeah, um, I think you have to play um, yeah. unless there's real question on the quality of the surface. Um, mm. Then maybe you think about it if you're only playing a couple of games, or uh, we usually only played one. Or, or we used to play quite a lot there in years past, but uh, I think we'll, how many times we played there twice? I think two or three times last year, two times this year. Hmm, interesting. Um, anyone else uh, that you want to talk about from this particular game? Um, I liked Hunt in the first quarter. Um, yeah, I think he sort of was in, out of the game for most of it. Uh, yeah, a little bit of a return you know. to um, shades of 2.17 again, which is good to see. Yeah, there was he did a great rundown and tackle. Um, I liked his game in the, in the, the Collingwood game. Um, so I think they'll persist with him, um, and hopefully he's got that 2017 back. Uh, he's another that could potentially fill that lever role. Um, he's not afraid to fly for the ball, Jaden. Um, 
is his timing as good? Probably not. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where where and if he fits in early on. Another thing I was a little bit critical on the team as a whole was that our delivery into the forward line. Um, mm. And yep. maybe that was Richmond just putting us under so much pressure, but we were just bombing it in. And we were critical about this last year, just bombing it in. And it, I think all of our forwards were just flying for it. They had no chance with, uh, you know, Rance was just all over them. Very hard. We weren't sort of kicking to leads or kicking to a one out. It was just always to a pack situation and we just couldn't couldn't get our big men. To, mm, I was going to post in the game day thread that, uh, you know, something along the lines of, so it turns out it wasn't Jesse who was the problem. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Look, there are times when we've been really good going forward and spotting up um, spotting up three men inside 50 and, uh, yeah, other times it's... Uh, um, yeah, sort of the long bomb without direction, but that chaos ball does have value for Goodwin. Um, so, yeah. to some extent, it's by design as well. And I don't look. I don't think Tom looked his at his best. I'm not sure whether it had anything to do with the procedure, minor procedure that he had uh, the week or so prior to that. We'll see. Um, yeah. All right, well, we might move on. Fast. We might move on unless there's anyone in particular that we've missed out. Uh, we might move on. Um, Gary Lyon made a big call, um, big call during the week, earlier in the week. He said um, that in his lifetime, and I think that's the, uh, the quote, um, he said in his lifetime, uh, he, in my time on this earth, I think Clayton Oliver is Melbourne's best ever midfielder. Uh, and he went on to say he'll win a Brownlow. Now, yeah. Brownlow medals aside, because it's quite a subjective thing, it's the umpires. He, he obviously last year didn't, didn't get the umpire, didn't catch the umpire's eyes. Uh, so forget whether he wins a Brownlow or not. But what, what do you think about that that quote? Um, and I, personally, I can only really go back to the late 80s. Anything else I've seen sort of or heard about it's just um word of mouth so i can only of what i've seen yeah you and i never saw <clears throat> never really saw greg wells or stan no, Alves, no no we didn't um, see those guys who were great midfielders of the 70s um and early 80s um but really it's not such a big call from gary and people have pointed out in the thread that we haven't had a lot of elite midfielders no. um you know in in all that time um, you know, people have mentioned Todd Viney, and Todd Viney is an interesting one. He made the team of the century yeah. um, and kept uh, Tiger Ridley, who won five premierships, um, out uh, as an emergency. And yet Todd, look, Todd was a really good player, and I'm a big fan and remain a big fan, but um, he wasn't a great user of the ball, and his disposal didn't really improve until late in his career. And I reckon Jack's going to have him covered um, no problem. And I think, yeah, people might overrate Todd Viney just a little bit. Um, and I think, yeah, Clarence beats him every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yeah. Um, Already. Now, now, Gary did quali- also qualified it by saying that uh, he's not including Robbie Flower uh, as a midfielder. Well, yeah, I mean, mid- things were different back then. Mm. The wingman wasn't. You know, a midfielder at Wingman was a, a specialist position. And, I mean, it, it, 
Clayton Oliver, he's just, his handballing is sublime. He does have a great kick. I'd love to see him kick it more. He he did a couple of kicks where he spotted up someone and just yep. hits them, you know. Long, he's got a beautiful long kick that's accurate. Um, there was another time that I wanted, he took, his, there was a piece of play that ended up with him having a mark where he sort of jumped over someone and I thought he should have had a shot for goal. I think someone on a thread said it. Yep. He found uh, Bailey Fritch who then kicked the goal, but just a talent and a half. But we've also got another guy, uh, Brayshaw, who could also win a Brownlow. Um, his skills aren't as good as in his kick sometimes on the left isn't good, but he gets a lot of the ball, racks up a lot of possession, gets the ball forward a lot. Um, big, huge talent, fearless as well. Yep, yep. That's not even uh, uh, not even including Viney. So yeah, yeah. Can't but wait. Yeah, sort of comparing Oliver to Flower. I mean, it's apples to oranges, really. The game's different as well. So a, sorry, the game is a lot different uh, these yep. days. Um, I mean, Robbie played with a certain grace that very few players in history have had. Um, you know, there's a real elegance to the way he moved, but Oliver's beautiful to watch too and he's a footballer's footballer you know the way he moves and his poise and balance he doesn't seem to get um uh he, he doesn't seem to get um the respect from the wider community i'm not talking about the respect from um uh, the commentators or anything like that but just the community footy community in general um, and we've got another call coming back. Yeah, I just don't think he gets it. I see a lot of things on social media. Um, but, yeah, we'll take this call. Uh, good evening. You're on the air. Who am I talking to? Hello? Oh, sorry. Go again. Who are we talking to? It's uh, it's, it's Super Mercado here. I want to know if <laughs> this is where I sell my grand final tickets after uh, one practice match loss. Um, yes, you, uh, you certainly uh, can. Um, uh, how much? Uh, how much uh, are you willing to sell them for? Oh no! Actually, to be honest, I think I'll I think I'll stand on them. I think uh, yesterday, well, yesterday was when I watched it. I think Sunday was a reasonable hit out. To be honest, um, no one likes losing. Our our perfect season is gone. Uh, but in general, I don't think it was anything to put the head in the oven about. I think it was a, a reasonable hit out. Now, can I ask when you when you uh, re well when you watched the game, did you know the results of the game, or had you gone in a full media blackout at that point? I went in a hundred percent media blackout. I managed to make it all the way until about nine forty-five uh, Monday morning before I finally sat down to watch it, knowing absolutely nothing. Which was uh, I was pretty happy with that. A um, couple of times as a reflex on Sunday, I just I pulled out my phone and opened Twitter and panicked and. Killed it straight away. Um, earlier in the day, I'd blown at least the quarter-time score of the AFLW game uh, by doing that and seeing something about where level and going, how is that happening? Uh, but the the main event, I was completely, uh, completely dark on it, which led me to, in the uh, last few minutes, scrambling to try and find if we'd ever drawn a, a practice <laughs> game before. There was, uh, I was sort of, towards the end, I, I was sort of hoping uh, that we could sneak a draw out of the game, but it uh, wasn't to be. Um, yeah, now, we were able to get a share of the zero points. 
Well, do you get two points? There are. Is there a ladder? And that's what I want to know. We're twelfth, uh, I believe. Yeah, Whispering Jack was keeping a running tally going. Twelfth um, uh, without a win. Did did they used to award once they ditched the knockout competition aspect? Uh, and Super Mercado, you'll be able to answer this. Did they have some type of award for the team that finished on top after they got rid of the knockout format, or am I dreaming? Did, did, no, nah, there was a couple of years where you just played the games and the top teams were, uh, you know, they got nothing, but there was a, there was some kind of ladder. Because I remember we ended up in like a three-way tie with Fremantle and Collingwood, I think, one year. I'm, I'm going to say Ruse's second year as the best teams of the, the NAB Cup, well, when whatever, did, the JLT when or whatever did, it was called then. It was, that was the year Eddie Maguire came up with his ridiculous suggestion that the team that wins the preseason should get a bye to the finals. What? <laughs> or a bye into the finals. So you would play the entire year or, no, not with nothing at stake. Did Collingwood win that year or something, the preseason? The, well, that, that, was one of, that was the year <laughs> where they were one of the top three teams. I think it was definitely us and Frio. Um, and then Frio can, proceeded to go straight into the toilet. Um, but yeah, that was one of those great moments where you just go, every time this person ever brings up anything ever again, now I've got something to prove why it was a stupid idea what they brought up. Because they could go, well, but he's the guy that said you should get a buy into the finals. Well, they're not, they're not stupid um, theories if, if it benefits you. Um, what, history of uh, the knockout competitions, because I, I, I'm pretty sure I remember, did, was there ever a time where they had the, a similar format to they have now, but then the two top teams played each other? Or, or am I really dreaming about something that didn't happen? Uh, no, there was, a few years ago there was, yeah, it was a non-knockout. I think the last one they had a final in. Um, when they had the, the three-way games at yeah. the start. Yeah, I remember it, we went it, to Brisbane. It was that, and then it was, you played one or two um, proper games, and it was the teams that were on top of the ladder at the end of that played in the final. Yes, okay, so I wasn't dreaming. Because the year we knocked off Collingwood, I'm going to say, yes, we beat Collingwood, and that was Neil's first year, we beat Collingwood, and people, there was actually an article in the Herald Sun about the Melbourne Revolution, Mark <laughs> Neil's got them humming again. <laughs> Um, that was changed several months later to the author being staff writers because someone actually went back and took their name off it. <laughs> that I, I'm pretty sure that was the last one because then we went into a game against Hawthorne the next week and it was if we won, we were a chance of playing in the final and they beat us by you know, 11 goals or something. So <laughs> I reckon that was the last, the last time before they just gave up and went, well, no one really cares about the actual competitive element of the preseason cup. Um, let's just play the... JLT Community Series, whatever JLT is. Um, I will quickly ask you, uh, since you did watch the game delayed live, um, did you think, um, uh, what what was your thoughts after the first quarter or during that first quarter? Did you think we were uh, the fair income real deal and no one's going to get close to us this year? Look, you've always got to be wary, uh, certainly with Melbourne at any time, let alone a practice match. Um, I think it was pretty much the tail of the game. Like when we were going forward, we looked quite good. When we had the ball, we looked quite good. But the back line was just, you know, it was, it was with respect to the people in it, it was a B grade back line. Um, once you take out, you know, you, you got to, you can't factor May or Lever into it because they weren't there in the second half of the year. But once you take out Jetta and Hibbert, 
um, I thought that the back line just lost, just lacked poise. So I was always on the on the defensive that once Richmond did start getting the ball forward, and to be honest, I didn't even know Rewalt was playing until the second quarter when he <laughs> got a kick. Um, so they, they just didn't have the opportunities in the first quarter, and then when they started getting them, we just didn't have the didn't have the guys down there to look after it. Um, whereas down the other end, you had McDonald was getting double teamed by you know Premiership defenders and all Australians, um, and I think that was the big difference between the two, and that's why. I'm not overly concerned. We still scored 101 points yeah. um, against a pretty much full-strength back line um, of the reigning minor premier. So I'm, I'm certainly willing to take that into a game against Brisbane, who I do think will actually be reasonably good this year. Um, mm-hmm. I think we still should beat them, um, especially with May into the side um, with his previous record against Brisbane. That'll have a few of them scared. Um, but I think that, that will tell us more um, than... Well, maybe the Richmond game will tell us more because it was a competitive performance against a very good team. Um, it might be worth more than beating Brisbane if we do. But either way, we should we should get a we should get an idea this week of a more full strength lineup because obviously you take Gorn out as well, um, and Proust Proust Mania uh, ran out of <laughs> week, at one, week one. Um, and it was good to see the uh, Demonland podcast own Declan Kilty. Yes. thrown into the ruck and not actually doing too bad a job of it either. Yeah, he had, uh, um, he's got a nice yeah. little leap on him there. Yeah, you'd hate to see it happen in the regular season. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, we're certainly going to be living on the edge. With, if anything happens to Max, um, we're going to be very, very um, vulnerable in the ruck position this year with all the new rule changes. Yeah, that's uh, yeah certainly true. Um, now, I've got a question, though. Should the rest of the team follow Gus and Clary and go sugar-free, given their form on the weekend? Yeah, based on that performance, they should uh, outlaw sugar entirely in the entire training complex. Well, um, it was apparently uh, they broke their sugar-free uh, thing after the game because they needed to uh, replenish uh uh, whatever, right. <laughs> uh, whatever, you know, Gus, uh, Clary said that Gus likes his uh, snacks after the game. I guess they, they drink the Gatorade that uh, fill the electrolytes that has lots of sugar. So, Clary's always struck me as a red cordial kind of kid. Yeah. And so I'm nervous to take that off him. <laughs> I don't want to, don't, well, I don't he did, want him to lose seem, He didn't seem to have withdrawal symptoms on the weekend. No, we discussed that. Now I'll ask you the question. Uh, you saw Gary. You heard Gary Lyons' um, statement regarding uh, Clary. Is 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 he the best midfield Melbourne midfielder uh, you've seen in your lifetime? He, he would be up there. Um, obviously, I missed. No, if you count Robert Flower no. as a midfielder rather than a wingman. Well, no, or, we're, we're counting him as a wingman. We're counting him as a wingman and not counting yep. anyone you haven't seen, like any, you know, not not based on things you've read. Or yeah, read of my of my supporting yeah. lifetime, um, I can't remember anyone who got so much of the ball and also seemed to have like a sixth sense of what to do with it, like including the one where he was picked up in the air and he kind of managed to swing himself around while being picked up in the air and find someone with a handball. Um, it's just remarkable. Like We've had good midfielders. Obviously, we had a, a large stretch uh, where we didn't really have good midfielders. Um, and you had you know Maloney for a couple of years sort of holding the team up and then Jones for several years holding the team up. Um, so, obviously, Clary also 
uh, his benefits from playing in a much better midfield than those guys. But some of the stuff he does is um, is just sixth sense stuff. Like you see, you see, he goes to he goes to handball, and then he just turns around and handballs to someone else, and you're like. How did you see that there was a better option over there when you had your back turned to it? He just know, he just so knows. He's, he's a chance. Almost to the point where you that the players who are receiving need to have that sixth sense as well to know that they're going to get yeah. it from him. He's just that good. Yeah. And whether that's a case of um, you know coaching and sort of set plays and stuff like that, that, that people are just in the right place where they're supposed to be, um, or whether he does actually you know, have secret powers. Um, either way, he, he looks bloody good. Um, and yeah, I'd have to say, you know, thinking back to to my thirty odd years of of supporting, it's hard to think of too many more that have have had as much impact as he's had um, the last couple of years. But I guess you've got to do it over a, a larger stretch of a larger stretch than a couple of years to be considered one of the all time greats. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, we'll, we'll move on uh, from that. Uh, Christian Salem is poised to um, to sign on. Uh, it's, it's good we're we're locking away these guys um, as the, the. It's almost uh, become a non-story, hasn't it? Demon Youngun extends contract. It's a little bit like um, uh, man bites dog and dog bites <laughs> man in journalism. The story there's only really a story if someone doesn't sign on these days is how it should be because everyone's locked away. Yeah, they all want to be there. They all they want to be a part yeah. of it. They can see something's brewing and they want to be a part of it. Um, the, who's the next one uh, that needs to sign I think on? Wiedemann yeah. remains unsigned, doesn't he? He does. Uh, but I, I think, I mean, he, he's going to not want to sign on yet because he wants to prove that he can be yep. worth, I mean, I'm sure he wants to put away a contract that's worth uh, a bit of money, um, and he, but he has to put the runs on the board uh, for that to happen. Yep. Yeah, he and might I, and I think he's spot now. If Hogan had stayed, I could have seen him go at the end of this year. But once you take Hogan out of the picture, he's going to play every week, touch wood. Yep. Um, and so I think it shouldn't be too long before, um, you know, they, they've reached an, an acceptable amount to lock him in. Um, but you're right, it's grapeviney what you say. It's, like it's, it's, it's almost like the journalists will have to go and be giving paper bags to players to, to delay signing soon to get <laughs> a story out of it because we are, we are locking them all away. Um, and it's, it's exciting. It's, you know, obviously we went one step beyond what we did in 2010, but if you go back to 2010, which was kind of the, the good season of the bad seasons, um, you know, you look back at that list, they had an all right year, but the, the, the age profile was just nothing like it is now. You've got so many of these players who are just going right into the peak of their career together, um, you know, there's no guarantee you're ever going to win a premiership, just ask St Kilda of the last 20 years. Um, but I think we've, we've got enough in us now to have several years of having a bloody good crack at winning a flag, which is unlike. It's hard to even contemplate saying that. It's, that it feels weird to say it. Yeah, we're, we're definitely we're well in that window um, and a lot of, uh, you know, the media is now getting on board um, with it. Oh, we'll talk about that, the, the predictions in a moment. Uh, but I just, while we're talking about Wiedemann, um, uh, there was a thing, a post about the 
2015, the, the class of 2015 in particular, the, the key position players of that uh, year. How do you think uh, Wiedemann's tracking amongst those? There's Wiedemann, uh, there's Charlie Curnow, McKay, Hipwood, Himmelberg, uh, Shacky. Uh, where's, uh, where's Sam amongst that group? Uh, he's behind, obviously behind Kerno and Hipwood, I would have thought, um, but uh, probably comfortably ahead of the others. Um, he's just had very little game time, Wiedemann, and really a lot of it rests on what was an excellent final yep. against the Cats. Um, you know, you talk about breakout games, that was his. So if you can do it in front of 90,000, then... Uh, yeah, you're doing pretty well, aren't you? Three goals and seven marks and yeah. twenty plus touches or whatever yeah, it was. A couple of beauty tackles. His whole his, his whole end of last year, and obviously until the prelim, where everyone sank at the same time. Um, you know, I remember thinking at the time, every game he played from when he came back into the squad, which yep. was the second last game, or it might have been the West Coast game. So those next four games, it was like every game was almost the best game he'd ever played. Yep. in improvement, because his issue at first was when he got the ball, he was all right. And when he didn't have the ball, he was good defensively. Like, there was a couple of times where he hit people with monster tackles, but he just didn't get enough of the ball. I think his highest career um, disposals was about seven until that until that West Coast game when he had about 15 or something like that. And that's and once he started getting his hands on the ball, beautiful. Like, it looked great. It was just until then, he just... He could do it at VFL level, but he couldn't do it at AFL level. So I think the, the the core of a good player was always there. It was just a matter of him learning to get the hands on the ball more. Which it's I think funny, isn't it? You see in, the, um, in a few of the threads, there's a bit of revisionist history um, being rewritten. R.E. Hogan and people, you know, I'm starting to wonder why anyone bothered drafting Jesse Hogan in the first place. He's such an ordinary player. Um, barely make any list, according to some Demon Landers. But um, I, I would never get into Jesse bashing, but I'm a big Sam Wiedemann fan. And one thing I do love about Wiedemann is that, um, like most big forwards, he can go back and kick from outside 50 um, and kick well. Um, and I think that's probably one of the only, well, one of the few limitations on on uh, on Jesse. He does have well, a and I think one of the things I won't don't want to get into Jesse either because I think he was a solid player and will keep being a solid player. Um, but I also think Wiedemann offers more in the way of overhead marking. That was one thing I was always frustrated with Hogan. He always seemed to want the ball kicked over the back. He didn't want to overhead mark, whereas I think you get that with Wiedemann, and he didn't he didn't want to sort of lead as much, and you get that with McDonald. So I think it's a better better mix of a forward line um, with yep. those two and then obviously all the other people who are going to float through there as well. Um, because you weren't here earlier, Super Mercado, your thoughts on um, on Proust? On, you know, uh, did you see him play against Collingwood? I did, yes. I, I had him as second best on ground yep. um, against Collingwood. Um, yeah, pretty poor um, on the weekend. I did like when he picked up Dylan Grimes and just threw him. <laughs> it was a beautiful uh, gift. <laughs> which, which was good because Dylan Grimes was dressed as Rey Mysterio Jr. So it did kind of make sense that he should be copying wrestling moves uh, in the middle of the game. But other than that, yeah, pretty poor. But look, I, I tended to agree somewhat with the commentary of like, why wouldn't you just play him um, in the second half? Like, So 
they must have been very unhappy <laughs> if they were were not only not playing him for large stretches of the game, but like deliberately sitting him down with, when it couldn't have been a fitness issue, like at the start of the last quarter. Yeah, um, they must have been reasonably unhappy. There was one, you know, I think it was a ball up or a throw in where he didn't even get to it. He didn't even make it into the camera yeah. range before the ball in. Um, so, so you well, reckon I don't that think was... any of us ever expected him to be the number one ruckman, but we are living on the edge of danger if anything happens to Gorn. So, so do you think that was a, a deliberate move to keep him off? Uh, was a disciplinary uh, move? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd say disciplinary, but maybe just making a, a making a statement to him that it's it's not as easy as it looked first up when you were when you had gone um, to to play off because again touch wood if something happens to gone hmm. you know you got you got proof you've apparently got guilty um, Wiedemann was the sort of second ruck this time in the first half like. We can't be relying on that. Oh, I would, and then we lose. Oh, we'd almost have gone back and got bloody Jake Spencer as a rookie, <laughs> and parked him on the rookie list um, just as a backup <laughs> to have a second ruckman somewhere in the team. Because realistically, do we? I'm trying to even think to the to the um, what the rookie list. We don't have a second ruckman because they delisted Filipovic and King. Um, so there's no kid Ruckman coming through. Well, we do. We've really, got, it's Bruce and Gorn are the big blokes. We've and got, after that... We've got Austin Bradkey, who's, you know, oh, still... Yeah, in, but green as green yeah, grass, so you're exactly. not going to... You know, he'll be lucky to be playing... Well, I guess there is no VFL reserves now, but he'll be lucky to be playing VFL seniors because well, we've, uh, we've got good depth um, for the first half of the year. So, yeah, given, given the circumstances of this year when we seem to have seen a bit into the future of getting the second Ruckman, knowing that it's going to be a two-Ruckman game, but then we didn't go out and get a mature Ruckman, and I know the name Jake Spencer trips people's, um, you know, makes people angry, but any second Ruckman, like, you know, you look back 10 years ago when Ben Hudson was just doing a tour of the league on rookie lists, um, or, you know, you Jonathan Giles, you had that era of people where there was just people just grabbing second Ruckman and putting him on the rookie list, just in case. I think we're left very vulnerable this year. And, and on the weekend, it says to me, Bruce is not going to be, at the moment, a, an effective number one ruckman all day like Gorn can be and has been for the last couple of years. So what, what's your thoughts on the two of them playing together? And moving, we're, we'll move on to looking at uh, JLT2. Do we, uh, do we just play Gorn next week or we try trial the two ruckmen again against uh, competitive opposition? Certainly work. Worked against Collingwood, fine. Um, I, and I think that's the thing with... If you don't expect Bruce to play the whole game in the ruck like Gorn does, um, then he's going to be very effective. I would play them both for round one. Um, but I'm just full of full of dread as for something happening to Max because I think that, that is the kind of thing that could actually derail the whole season, um, losing... Losing that ruckman, who's going to play the majority of the game in the middle? Yeah, oh, we got look. If if Maxi goes down, it's, it's huge. Even if we have a backup there, because Maxi's a couple guy. of years ago we covered it reasonably well because of the way the game was being played then. Like just using McDonald and Pedersen and people like that, we got away with it. Whereas now, I don't think we would get away with it as much. Um, I think it would leave us vulnerable. We've still got the good midfield. 
that we would hopefully rely on that even if we had to play Charlie Spargo in the ruck, that you're going to have those midfielders there who can hopefully stop the ball from just going ping straight into the, the opposition forward line. Um, but you're going to lose that, that um, you know, everything that Gorn brings with the, the beautiful taps and, you know, around the ground. There was a couple, there was at least one goal on the weekend that was from a boundary throw-in where I think Kilty was in the ruck and he just, you know, because it's not what he does. The other bloke just grabbed it and kicked the goal. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so you can do you can do that. This it worries year as well. me, but I would definitely play them both yeah. in the same team. Um, uh, this week, going into JLT two, obviously we've got a lot of big names coming back. Are there any of the fringe depth players um, that got a game last week uh, that you think will get a game this week? Do you think anyone like Kilty or Petty, uh, Hall? Um, any of those guys likely to get a, a look in or back to the back oh, to the two? I thought Petty and Hoare, Hoare were quite good, but they were overmatched by yeah. the people I was playing against. But I, I thought Petty especially did a couple of nice things. Um, the one I'd like to see play a full game is Maynard. Um, yeah, he didn't, didn't play much. Still not, still not sure if that's going to be a long-term thing, especially considering he's about 27, 28 years old now. Um, but he did have that season a couple of years ago. His first, when he played, a, I think, one game in his rookie year, but he smashed the VFL that year. Um, so I would like to see him. I'm not, I wouldn't have him in the round one team by any stretch of the imagination, but I would like to see him get four quarters um, in this game. And look, I, I think Kilty battled really well, um, given a, an unusual role to play. But I don't see if you've got May coming back in and... If you do play Gorn and Pruce together, maybe they give Pruce a rest after playing the two the two practice games. Um, but yeah, I would certainly, and that would be fine because you know you got to keep them keep them fresh for round one. Um, but that's the only reason I could probably see see Kilty getting a run. Great, Barney. Any um, anyone you expect? No, I uh, imagine Goodwin's going to select the, the strongest side possible. Um, looking towards round one. Uh, well, the side that he um, expects to take into round one, I guess. Yeah, yeah I, think, I agree. But you get and you get that extra couple of players because the preseason you can throw a couple of randoms in the in the mix as well. Yeah, um, and that's even even if Maynard only plays another half or something, then I would just like to see. I just think there's. I do think there's something about him. Um, like I said, I don't think he's ever going to be like a, an instant choice first first choice player, um, but I think he's going to be a handy depth player. Yeah, I agree. Um, how comfortable uh, were you guys with the uh, Herald Sun uh, predictions that came out the other week? They had a whole lot of journos uh, list their top eight, their premiers, their wooden spoons, their Brownlows, Coleman's, their rising stars. Now the, the wash up of it all, we had. Um, uh, six people picking us for first. We had nine people picking us as the premiers. Uh, one pick uh, Max for Brownlow. One pick Oliver for Brownlow. One had uh, Tom McDonald uh, for uh, the Coleman. The Coleman, yeah, uh, key, I think. And predictably, Mick Malthouse was the only one to predict us <laughs> missing out on the eight. Um, and if you have a look at Mick's uh, 2018 and 2017 predictions, that's the best prediction there is there uh, because he didn't get anything right in those two years. So uh, I would love him to miss, make us miss in the eight every single year. 
I was annoyed with the Herald Sun lift out because I actually got an early copy of it uh, off a friend that works there and I just I didn't get a chance to look at it for a couple of days and I thought I'm going to go through this and write up a big post on Demon Land and then by the time I jumped on the computer um, it had obviously come out in the meantime and somebody had beaten me to it yeah, so <laughs> um, yeah my uh, my desire to be the bearer of good news was uh, was foiled. Uh, can you remember a time in your footballing life? Obviously, uh, we weren't there for the fifties and sixties, um, you know. But even being there in the late eighties, nineties, when we were making finals, I've never seen Melbourne have nine people out of no. fifteen or whatever pick no. us for a premiership, or or even for you know the six people picking us for. I've never never seen this in my entire. Footballing nah. life, and forget nah, that we've had ten you... years of shit. Uh, I've never seen that, even when we were, were a half decent team. Possibly, a few well, years could have won the premiership. Um, Two thousand and one, even then, everyone would have still been picking Essendon. Yeah, we were um, never to go back to back. We were never and even there for the, the runners the up. Same in the late eighties with Hawthorne. We were yeah. a good team. But that Hawthorne side yeah. was one of the best ever. But we were never um, picked for top four, like we, uh, or, or we were just fringe top four. Year. And this is this is the year to win a flag, <laughs> because Richmond are good, West Coast are good, but there is no, there's no Hawthorne '88, there's no Essendon '2000. Um, yep. It reminds me a lot of '04, uh, where we were of course top of the ladder after about round 18, and then then lost a lot after that. Um, that was the year to win a flag, because there was no outstanding team. Um, if we'd beaten Essendon in that elimination final, I think we 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 actually could have gotten all right run into the finals. But that's the kind of year. Yeah, of course, winning it in a year that's highly competitive with super teams and and all that would be great. Um, but I think that the opportunity is there for you know any number of teams to win a flag this year. And um, so, as they say in the classics, why not us? Interestingly, in that Herald Sun uh, lift out. No one tipped West Coast to go back to back. Um, we had, I think, I think there were twenty-two tipsters, and I think we had nine, uh, nine uh, tipping us for the flag, and then the rest were divided between Richmond and Collingwood. But no love for the Eagles, interestingly. Yeah, I think. Look, the, there was a. I noticed that got a run on the coverage as well when someone gave their top four, and they didn't have West Coast in it, and one of the other people was outraged by that. But I don't think winning the flag just automatically. Uh, gives you a, the right to be in the top four the next year. I mean, look at the Bulldogs. that it, They won the flag and good luck to them. But I don't think anyone thought that it was because it started from a position where they were one of the top four teams. They were a sixth or seventh team who got a ripper of a run through the finals. That doesn't automatically give them the right to be premiership contenders again the next year. And as it turned out, they were not. Um, so, yeah, I think West Coast are, are up there. Um, they're around the four, they're around the top four, but they're not an automatic top two team, um, let alone a top four team. Do you reckon this puts a lot of pressure on the playing group or is it all just Fugazi, as uh, the coach likes to say? Uh, I think it, I think it's Fugazi and I think the, I like the fact that Goodwin came out with that last year because it shows that he's attuned to the, you know, the possibility that it can be a problem. My bigger concern is, and I remember a coach saying this a few years ago, young players take a few years before they stop listening to outside influences 
So family, friends, former coaches and former teammates. Um, this coach said that in the first few years when they're playing AFL, players find it hard to drown out um, well-intentioned advice, advice that might be counter to what the club's doing. So um, I just wonder whether, yeah, we've still got... Our, our list is too young um, and perhaps needs one more season of maturity before before it's really right. And I think it goes... It, it will depend on the adversity they face during the season as well. Like, we, we haven't got an easy start to the year. No. Um, we should certainly beat Port Adelaide at the MCG, although the last time we played Port at the MCG <laughs> in round one, that was the, the beginning of the second phase of the apocalypse. This time, we should beat them. Then we've got a Sydney in Sydney, a Geelong in Geelong. Let's say, worst-case scenario, we lose all three of those games. Suddenly, the media who've set us up as the next big thing are going to be laying the boots in. It's going to be talk about crisis and... They're going to be trying to, you know, blow the blow the joint up to get a story out of it. So it's how they deal with that adversity. Um, last year, remember we were in the hole after I think we were two and three, um, and we'd only we'd only beaten Brisbane and North, who at the time no one really expected to to challenge for the finals. Um, well, that's they came is out Goody, of that. Is Goody the right that. guy? Fred appeared. Yeah, they survived that, and so. <laughs> That goes. That says to me they can they can pull back from adversity, and not only did they survive it, they came out with a few weeks of absolutely pile driving teams up and down the country. Um, that says to me that they can work their way through adversity. Um, but I think that will be the big test. If they just kind of sit up the top the whole year, let's all hope they do. Um, I think that's where they will go into the finals, just like ready to roll. Um, or if they can get a run on at the end, but it's, it's if there's a if there's a dip somewhere, um, as long as they can come out of that, then I think we'll be all right. Um, have you boys secured your Anzac Day uh, seats? Because I reckon there's a sellout uh, brewing if it hasn't already sold out. Um, I did. The corresponding fixture two years ago had eighty five thousand. Right, that's when it was last the Richmond home game, and we were nowhere near, uh, you know, nowhere near where we are now. So if we were able to draw, um, uh, draw eighty five that night, um, so you know, um, unless there's some sort of freak weather um, incident, I would have thought ninety plus um, for sure. It's early on in the season, so neither of us can have such a catastrophic start to the year that it becomes a, a crap game. Um, it's going to be huge. Um, so can't wait. And plus they... they... Yeah, it'll be played up as the next big thing. You know, the chat, the contenders versus the, um, you know, the previous champion. Yeah. Yep. Certainly as far as Victorian teams go. Um, yeah, it'll be a massive game. And when you obviously roll all the, the Anzac stuff in on top of it, you know, I think it'll be, um, it'll be definitely plus 90. Plus, they've got. Did you, does that mean you got your ticket, Super Mercado? Uh, due to my midlife crisis years of being a shift worker, I'm not even sure if I'm available right. that night. Unfortunately, so if I am, I will certainly, I'll certainly um, make sure I get them pretty quickly. Because yeah, I reckon they'll they'll go, yep. they'll go pretty quickly. Yeah, um, and I just realised uh, this afternoon, and I haven't done anything about it yet. Uh, do we need to get? Pre-book tickets now for a Queen's birthday. 
No, because our membership gets you... Uh... No, it's not our home game. Ah, right, yes. So, Which, again, I, think, I know we discussed this last year. How did we end up with both Queen's Birthday and Anzac Day... We should yeah. have, in the way. No, this is we just we've discussed this a few times. We did last and year. And what the club should do is forego one year, Queen's yeah. birthday one year, We're and then you get to... you get alternating years, and so every year yeah. you have at least one home blockbuster, either Queen's birthday yeah. or or Anzac. Because there's no way the other clubs are going to forego one no. of their years. We're going to have to take the hit, but yep. maybe that's not even financially viable to do that. Maybe we can't. I don't know. Uh, unless there's some like backdoor shenanigans going on where they're splitting gate receipts or something like that. Um, well, I don't yeah, think we're going to get. Look, we're not going to get Eddie to do it. it. And it makes sense if you're going to take the hit to take the hit now because you'd assume Collingwood are going to have a good year this year. So the reverse game, our home game, should be a good gate anyway, even though it's not the public holiday. Yeah, yep. plus we're playing these teams twice, and if we all have good years, we're going to be playing them twice. Um, yeah, for the next few years. Few years so. Yeah. so you want to be the chief financial officer in the year where we play the two home games and then go on to another job <laughs> based on look how much money I made them this year and then leave the next guy with the you know, $500,000 hole, hole in the budget from the away games. But yeah, I think we, we've got to do something about that because that'd be great to be able to have in a year sort of the alternating because it sucks that both of them uh, are away games in a year. Yep. Uh, but that, you know, look, Eddie did something good for us for a number of years. Um, oh, yeah. And he's, he has every right to take that away from us. It's, it's wasn't yeah, a given. No, yeah, no, and I, no I've been saying for years that. that that's the sign. That's a sign that when we've actually made it back yeah. is when we stop getting the charity. Yeah. From Collingwood, like you know, we're sort of getting, we should have been getting the pat on the head. Oh, we little laddies, you know, we will, we'll look after you for you know all these years. Now it's you know we're standing on our own own feet. Also, we still have to sell two games to the Northern well, Territory. I was, every just, I was just about year to... to make to make good, but we've got enough money in the tank that we're not having to sell three games to the Northern Territory. Well, I was, ju- I was just going to say, that's probably even the next thing that has to be looked at as well. I love the whole thing yeah. of us doing that in the middle, the Alice thing that we did and have that, but I want to get those home games back. Uh, you know, I want to have hostile home crowds against these interstate teams, especially if we're going to be, if we're going to be a force in the next few years, then yeah. I want those, you know, get that advantage back. Because playing the Eagles out there and Adelaide. The question is, though, is whether if we got the game back, whether we'd get it back at the G or whether it would be uh, an Eddie had a no, Marvel we're, game. We're, we're out yeah. of Marvel yeah, territory. We're, yeah, but we're, we're not in uh, Marvel territory anymore uh, in terms of where we are as a team. Well, I know in this uh, no, 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 last year there was a suggestion it's, that it's there might be contractual obligations for the G. about number of games being played there and having to share it amongst the Melbourne clubs. Mm. And we get out of that because of the uh, the uh, our situation yep. with the... With the okay. Yep. I and think and one other consideration to that if as well. If the two well, games that... came back, I think one of them would be MCG and one of them would be Marvel. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're also trying to chuck the pokies, which is, you yep. know, however much, however much money that is a year, and that's a good thing to chuck the pokies, but... It's, you know, chucking the pokies, losing the Queen's birthday. That, to me, says that the Darwin-Alice Springs games aren't going anywhere. 
um, for a few years. But I'm I'm satisfied that it ends at two. Hopefully, they might even be able to pull it down to one um, and just play in Alice rather than Darwin in the next few years. But I think the I think they're they're sort of I know a few years ago they were of the opinion that there's 1.2 million dollars there for somebody. Um, it may as well be us. But that's when we were in deep financial trouble. Hopefully, even yeah, bring it back to to one game up there. Um, and the the Alice one seems to be the less physically taxing one. Um, and then yeah, play one a year and just wear that. Bank the 600 grand, but maybe they want it as a package deal, um, and it's all or nothing. So it should definitely be the goal. Uh, but I just also don't want to don't want to go too too quick. Um, when we've only you know got a couple of years of decent profitability behind us, and I don't think we actually did make you know a massive amount of money last year. Um, I'm not sure. I'd have, to, I'd have to check that, but I see. I seem to think it was it wasn't even you know a million dollars profit last year, for instance. So if you take out the pokies money, it almost leaves us level to the card, even with getting the 1.2 million dollars for the Northern Territory game. Hmm. Food for thought. Um, uh, and I think lastly, um, are you in favour um, of a twilight slash uh, night grand final, which is back on the agenda? No. In one word. <laughs> yeah, I'll have more than one word. No, but as long as we're in it, I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> I um, it, no, it, you, you should you know, Yeah, I would rather, much rather it in the day. And I'm worried. Unfortunately, that's where it's going. I've thought about this, and I'm worried that we're going to move to a night grand final, and Melbourne's going to be in the first night grand final, and we'll be seven or eight goals up at three quarter time, and the lights will go out. <laughs> and with it, we better check our premiership hopes, and then we'll get uh, rolled in the replay the following week. <laughs> now, I want the precedent of the practice match in Ballarat in about 2008 when the lights went out, and then a voice from somewhere on a speaker that was obviously being powered by an alternative source said, sorry, lights out, game's over, go home. And the Western yes. Bulldogs got to keep their win in a meaningless practice game. So I'll be bringing that up uh, in the in the court case. I like an old-fashioned sprinklers also going on. Uh, that's always a good one. Um, I liked what somebody said in, in the thread about those uh, the Twilight slash Night Grand Final uh, that they're not in favour of it because um, if you win at night, there's not as much time to celebrate after the game. That's true. <laughs> and that, that's actually a reasonable point. Like I know that has no impact on the uh, the AFL's decision making, but tell me you haven't pictured what it would be like after a grand final in the past. And you know, I know we haven't got that that location that like Richmond does, but you look at the footage of when Richmond won and Punt wrote up. Swan Street was going mental and back when Geelong won it the first time and the whole city was going mental, you would lose a bit of that, um, I think, with the night because it'd be, you know, kind of be like, yay, let's go and celebrate somewhere, but it wouldn't, like, set the town on fire like those wins did. It's like, yeah. oh, I've got to go home, the last train's about to leave. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, I'll be happy to, I'll be happy to uh, meet you all on the Sunday morning to celebrate a flag. Uh, if we win it, I'll be happy to meet you anytime, any place for the celebration. Where is the Melbourne meeting place? Uh, if, if we do happen to win, where where is it for for the demons? Can we have our Jolly Mon Station <laughs> complex yeah. up and running by then? We just hang out on the platform. 
Yeah, I think it'll have to be. Well, that's the thing. I mean, what are you going to do? Like, everyone, everyone back to the Bentley Club. (laughs) Right. Like, got no pokies. um, You know, see you there in three hours' time. I think it was the 1900 flag when they went and celebrated at one of the players' milk bars. (laughs) They all got together and went to his milk bar and celebrated the, uh, the premiership victory. Oh, I do love your uh, your newsreel uh, uh, facts. I, I do look forward to them on Twitter. Well, I did find one. I, I found one preseason draw in about 1932. Uh, so far, so that's that's my uh, that was my afternoon going through old practice match and exhibition match scores. Well, I'll ask Full you life. what's the strangest exhibition story. Or something that that you have found in your, your well, we, travels. We beat the Ballarat League. I think the score was about one hundred and ninety to two, <laughs> uh, or one hundred and ninety three to one, or something like that. The Ballarat League in I think the early sixties. I'm going to say um, there was, of course, there's been the international games. Um, the first couple where they played Geelong in Honolulu and San Francisco, um, and then of course those eighties those 80s games in far-flown places like Vancouver and Toronto and Portland, Oregon. The Blue Jays Stadium, Portland, I think we, uh, won the World Premiership there, actually. <laughs> exactly. So one senior, that and the two Fosters Cup wins are about the only thing we can, we can claim. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and look, there's, there's quite a lot in the early days where they do play like... Uh, uh, leagues, they play in the entire leagues. They go in like the interstate week and play the... You know, Castle Main League and thump them by 110 points and and stuff like that. Um, and a couple of really strange ones after the war where they played a game against. It was the game was combined bookmakers and I think Ascot Vale Hotel um, <laughs> was the opposition and it was actually like a an all star team of VFL and VFA players um, who won. So we have lost a game to the combined bookmakers and Ascot Vale Hotel wow. <laughs> um, in history. So. Yes, I'm just I'm just going through and actually creating a list on Demon Wiki where you'll be able to see all the the non-competitive games um, in one place rather than having to to pick them off the individual year pages. So that will highlight a few of the the massive wins and um, odd oppositions that we've played over the years. So how are you finding these? Are you just going through old um, old things that are in around February, old newspapers in February? Yeah. Uh, well, basically, what what I do um, is go. I've got a search on Trove, yep. um, which is the the national archives with all the newspapers that effectively just searches for the phrase anywhere where the words Melbourne and football come together. Yep, there'd be a lot and of that. Every couple there. of months, I'll pull that up and and have all the new ones, and I'll go through and and you know pick out the ones that aren't us. Um, obviously, because you get South Melbourne, Port Melbourne, North Melbourne, yeah. West Melbourne in the in the early nineteen hundreds. Um, and then, yeah, just pick out all the information from those. So over the years, I've, I've been adding them all to Demon Wiki, but they're all sort of, if you go onto the 1932 page, you'll see a link to a game on there, but there's nowhere that actually shows the full list. Um, and part of the reason I wanted to do it was because I was trying to work out if we'd ever actually played a pre-season game or a practice game at the ground we played at on Sunday. And had um, And as far as I can tell, no. We had one in Shepparton, another place in Shepparton in the 80s. Um, but not Deacon Reserve, whatever it was called, yeah. but it's brick wall uh, around the boundary line. Um, so, yeah, I'm putting together just a big list so you can just see it in one in one list, all the wild and woolly places we've played, like Shanghai and 
um, you know, Skinner Reserve Sunshine and places like that. So hopefully I'll have that done. Um, and also, you know, the biggest wins in those games, the biggest losses, pretty much all the stuff I've got in the for the real game um, that just doesn't have that archive at the moment for the practice game as well. Sounds great. Um, I hope that all these other grounds allowed water to be taken into the ground, especially on a 38-degree day. Um, I thought that was a bit of a disgrace, but uh, I sort of understand why they did it. But, um, yeah, on a hot day like that, pretty ridiculous. Boys, thank you very much for for joining us on this uh, JLT1 edition of the the Demoland podcast. Um, I think we'll be back next week to to wrap up JLT in the lead up to to round one. We're 17 days out from... um, from the season proper. Uh, boys, are you, are you getting excited um, for the season? Or nervous, like I am? Can't wait. The Both. video that they put out was sensational and a great uh, a great way to fire everyone up for the year. Oh, yeah. Well, let's talk about that for a second. I thought that was a really fantastic production. I actually watched it a couple of times and, you know, I know everyone on social media was saying, oh, they had goosebumps, but I think I actually did have goosebumps. So they, great job by the footy club for that. Yeah, and I love when they acknowledged the cock-up at the end of last year. Yeah. They acknowledged that, that the debacle that was the, the Perth game. But that's the story. Like, it's not like it's not like that's where it ends. They're going to they're gonna go forever. You know, they're going to go on from here rather than just, oh, shit, well, we lost that game. Who knows what's going to happen next? So, yeah, I'd agree. That was real, like, you know, walk-through brick wall stuff. Um, after you'd watched it, I saw one dickhead Hawthorne fan who wrote, Jack Viney must have written something about it. He was like, oh, I don't know about you, but I get excited about winning premierships. And it was like, well, that's, you know, that's why everyone hates Hawthorne fans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I absolutely agree. All right, boys, thank you very much uh, for joining us. Super Mercado for coming on uh, when you did. Um, and uh, great Viney, um, thank you. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. All right, thanks, boys. See you then.